Automation is often viewed as the antithesis of human interaction, but research has actually shown time and time again that that is simply not true. Automation's role is actually to make human lives more fulfilling. And one of the best examples of that is Donut, a really exciting brand that uses automation to bridge the gap between coworkers who don't actually have many opportunities to connect socially. So here to chat about the role of automation in bringing people together and making interaction easier is Dan Mannion, CEO and co-founder of Donut. And I am so excited. Let's dive right in. Welcome to Now Brands Talk. This is a show for leaders who want to close the brand interaction gap and bridge that tricky divide between brands and the people who love them. Let's listen in. Dan, welcome to the Now Now Brands Talk podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and to jump into this conversation. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Excited oh, to be it's, my, it's my pleasure. This is this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. Um, as you know, I am on a quest to find out why the what we call the brand interaction gap exists. And so as part of that, uh, we we are compiling a list of the worst brand interactions. And when guests come on this podcast, I like to ask them what what has been a really awful interaction that you've had with a brand and, and what made it so lousy? Yeah. Um, so my example, unfortunately, it's ha- it happens all the time. Um, and it's not just one brand, but if I'm reading an article online, whatever publication, it's just for me way too common that I like start reading and then the, the text moves because there's an ad that shows up at the top and then I'm halfway through and I get up and it's like, I came to your website to consume your offering, like your content. And I'm just like getting <laughs> stuff thrown at me constantly trying to pull me other places. To me, it's just like really frustrating and kind of like incongruous with like, don't you want me to read the yeah. thing that you wrote? Yeah. Great call out. The worst is when you actually go deep on an article and then halfway through you're blocked from reading the rest. Yep. You know? Yeah. No, been there. That's a great example and not one that we've heard yet on this podcast. So I always... I'm always interested when something new comes up and I think you're spot on Um, in a digital world, especially brands have to think about how they make their content, their point of view, their offering more accessible, not less accessible. Um, So, okay, let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about Donut and your role there. Yeah. Um, So Donut is a product that helps uh, folks in the workplace get better connected. Um, So, so we build a, a number of products um, integrated with with um, things like Slack um, that help you meet colleagues that you may or may not work with already and, and build deeper connections with them. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO, so I do uh, a, l- a little bit of everything. We're, we're about um, six years old. Uh, we have upwards of, of 20,000 companies that uh, use, use Donut in one way or another to help their teams get connected. Wow. Well, I, I mentioned to you, I'm an enthusiastic donut user. We use donut at Ada. Um, what's fascinating to me is that, the, you know, you said six years old, this idea um, came to life long before the pandemic and before companies were scrambling to figure out how to connect in a remote paradigm, um, which is super fascinating. I'd love to understand a little bit about what's changed for donut in the last three years. And in particular, um, 
you know, you talked about connection and at ADA, we, we often bump into this perceived conflict between automation and connection or automation and authenticity and personalization. So talk a little bit as well um, about uh, that conflict and how you see it when it comes to making meaningful connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great, great question. So things have definitely shifted in the last three years in terms of um, how people use Donut and what people have been asking um, of, of us and of our tools. Um, I would say Donut helps with kind of two, two ways of connecting in the workplace. One is helping you meet people that you've either never met before or never had a, a deep interaction with. And that need really existed way before the pandemic. Even if you were working in the same office building, there could be people, you know, on the other side of the floor on a, or on a different floor that you just never met. And this kind of siloing of departments and teams uh, <laughs> is actually detrimental in, in a number of ways in terms of missed opportunities for bonds and, and friendships, but also missed opportunities for innovation and creativity and like understanding more broadly how different teams work together. Um, so that's what we really started the company to help solve, you know, like the, the kind of, if you've ever been on a, you know, just like a, comp, a an early stage startup, that's 10 people, you just like all know what everybody's doing. You're just like one, like the camaraderie, you don't even have to work hard for, for it to happen, right? You're focused on one mission, one goal. Um, and then, you know, part of starting Donut was through my personal experience of being in that place and then also being to, okay, now you're a hundred people or beyond. And it's like, does, is that person work here? Are they interviewing here? What, you know, it's like you're in the hallway and you don't even know, um, who's, who's part of the team and there's new departments that you don't understand why all of a sudden we have a biz dev team and what are they doing and why does that, how does that impact the engineering team and all this stuff? So, um, we were really started to, to try to help teams that were scaling or had already scaled, um, create that connection and, and create in, in many cases, kind of break down silos. Um, in the last three years, um, as soon as, I mean, literally the week we all went into lockdowns, we were just like flooded with demand. And in this case, it was people that used to sit next to each other, you know, a 10 person team. And like, all of a sudden I feel so disconnected from my mm -hmm. teammates. I want Donut to help me recreate those like water cooler run-ins, right? Like we, we all in an office just organically socialize with our teams yeah. and just sort of like little micro increments, right? Like riding up the elevators, like, you know, oh, like what TV show did you watch last night? Or, you know, oh, you're wearing a shirt with my favorite band. Like, let's talk about, right? So there's like all of these um, things that we kind of took for granted and didn't even really think about um, in ways that you kind of interact with your team. So um, over the last few years, we've built a lot of things to try to help recreate some of that um, that happens in the in the office. So relatable because that was exactly our journey with Ada. At first, Donut was really a mechanism, you know, to scale those those feelings of connection and intimacy as we grew. Because exactly what you described is what would happen. You know, I'd, I'd wonder: Is this somebody visiting for a meeting, or is this somebody that works here, and what do they do here? And um, and then you know the needs completely changed through the pandemic. So uh, getting back to the second part of the question. Um, you know, scale is obviously a big element of what makes Donut such a useful uh, platform. Where or how does automation play into that? And like, what do you see that, 
the, the, you know, is there friction? Is, is it a compliment? Because Donut has some elements that are quite automated. And so where does one sort of support the other? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. Um, so I, I think if we like go back to the, the in-office example, like I don't think we would have ever thought of like running into someone in the elevator as automation, but it, it is this sort of like routine and flow that just happened without anybody needing to say like, Hey, let's plan a time to run into each other. Right. It would just happen. So I think at, at Donut, the, the balance is how do we create ways to kind of like systematically create run-ins, create these social moments, which requires some automation to make it keep keep happening. Right, especially um, at scale, right? Especially, especially at scale. It's, it's harder to create those moments for 500 people, not yeah. as hard to create those moments for 10. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think um, the way I think of it is what are all the things we can do that like unblocks and removes friction from people being able to connect? How do we create kind of like set the stage for those moments when people can run into each other? And that does require automating a bunch of things. Um, but I think hopefully that's the automation to the to the end user feels a little bit more kind of just seamless and magical, like things just happen. Um, so that, that um, you know, for, for most of the way Donut works, you can make a decision to opt in and participate, but you just have to make that decision once. And then once you do that, if your team is doing virtual coffee chats every two weeks, it happens every two weeks, right? You don't have to remember to say, I want to do it again this week. And that's really deliberate, right? Like we've kind of automated that process. For someone that's in the shoes of setting up Donut, they might've been doing a whole bunch of things manually. So one of our products that we developed um, during the pandemic is called Water Cooler, which aims to kind of create just those little social moments. And we, we um, just for context, we, we kind of drop a conversation starter into a Slack channel that could be like, how do you like your eggs? Or what was your first job? Or like share a really beautiful photo you've taken in the last week, all sorts of things that are just kind of like little social fun prompts that then happen asynchronously in Slack. Um, so we, when we, when we launched that product, we actually had a bunch of folks say, I've been doing this every single day of the pandemic since it started. And thank you for building this because like, A, it's not so easy to think of a new question every single day. And like B, you just automated a really important thing that I was doing. Now, the end users who are answering those questions probably aren't thinking, oh, this is automation. They're just like, oh, this is a fun question. Let's like right. that the, the end product is actually interacting with the other human beings that are answering, right? Not interacting with Donut. Right. Yeah. So really, you've automated the stuff that um, doesn't matter as much, but is time consuming and, and is can be a heavy lift, especially at scale. Um, and doing that sort of frees everyone to focus on the stuff that really matters, which is the interaction and the connection and the forging of those relationships. Um, I love that. Very similar to how we think about the relationship between automation and human interaction at Ada. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, you know, like Ada, Donut is very much about, you know, designing experiences and interactions that matter. Like that's ultimately what you're trying to fuel. And how has that uh, influenced the way that you think about how you design products? Um, talk about that interplay between, you know, feature conception 
and, you know, the mandate of driving experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we always, when we're building, building new products or new features for our products are always starting from a place of what are we trying to accomplish for our users, right? Like what is the experience we want to, we want to give them. Um, and everything is kind of in, in support of that, that goal of like creating a great user experience. And in our case, helping connect people, right? Like what are the ways in which we can help people connect? And, um, we've, um, we've been fortunate to have a, like a lot of users and scale and be able to learn a lot from them in terms of what works really, really well, what kind of gets in the way of the user experience and what just kind of helps make it, make it magical. Um, so, um, things like integrating with calendars and zoom and all that sort of stuff are like really powerful ways of making things more and more seamless and just like letting people with like a click enable the meeting to happen. Cause like, actually the, if you talk to a donut user and you say like, what, like, what's your favorite part of donut? It's actually talking with the other person. It's not right. using the donut interface. Right. right. So we actually like, our goal is like our interface should almost just be forgettable because the goal is to get past that and get to having a conversation with someone. Right. Um, in fact, I mean, most users are using Donut through Slack and pushing buttons in Slack and using our app, um, which was deliberate because we want people to just have kind of a streamlined user experience, but they don't have to learn a new tool, right? They're already working in Slack. They're already messaging. And if, if, you're, if your company uses Slack heavily, you know how to use Slack and all the interactions and everything. Right. Um, so on some level, we want the, the Donut part of the experience to be just kind of like fade to the background and like elevate the conversation and connection between humans. So you said something interesting that, you know, all of the interactions that you capture um, inform what it is you build and how you build it and how you uh, support that end experience. Um, based on all of that learning and context, uh, what, what advice would you have for people leaders about the types of employee experiences that they should be nurturing and offering inside of their organizations? Yeah, well, um, I may be a little biased here, but I think relationships and connection matter. There's a big body of research that shows that folks that have friends, in fact, there was a really interesting Gallup study where people would say, answer the question, do you have a best friend at work? People would say yes are much more likely to stay at your company. I think seven wow. times. Wow, that's so, how um, many more times? Seven, seven times? times? Wow, that is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So that that social bond with folks like really, really matters from a um, retention and attrition standpoint, from a employee happiness, which we know then drives things like creativity and productivity and, and all those, all sorts of other things. Um, so I think all of that really matters. And when we were all in the same office, a lot of that could just happen organically. Um, I mean, pre pandemic, kind of like the state of the art of helping your employees connect was office layouts, right? So like Google right. cafeterias and like Steve jobs, like famously designed Apple headquarters. So like the bathrooms are in the middle and people would come and crisscross. So like, actually like physical run-ins were like sort of being designed 
um, by the architects designing offices. But obviously that needs to be totally uh, rethought as, as we're remote. Yeah. Well, my husband has an office furniture business. And so he's, you know, on the front line of that very debate is what, it, what are the implications now in this new world? How it is you, you know, lay out your office? What furniture do you use? Um, which brings me to my next question. Obviously, because of the pandemic, we've seen a lot of change uh, in terms of how it is that companies today are, are operating. Some are mandating, as we saw yesterday, um, a, a return to the office full time. Some are really trying to create a sense of balance with a hybrid hybrid model. And some like Ada um, are re- very much remote first. Um, I guess, number one, do you have an opinion on that? And number two, more generally, regardless of the decision that you make in terms of you know how often are you going to be in a physical space together, um, like where does social interaction play into that office experience practically? How should it, you know, if, if that's the case, seven times more likely to stay, if you have a best friend, clearly social interaction is critical. So, so how do you build that in depending yeah. on what your model is? Yeah. Um, and obviously the seven times stat begs the question, like if you're fully remote, how do you help people Precisely. make friends, Precisely. Right? Like, yeah. So you, you don't go out to lunch together. You don't, you know, hang out after work or whatever. Right. Like all those things are gone. Um, so in terms of the kind of remote hybrid or in office donut currently is, is fully remote, just like you are. Um, I think there are so many enormous benefits. Um, we have a team that's all across um, the U.S. We have people in all four time zones. We've been able to hire people that wouldn't be working at Donut if we weren't operating like this. I think the challenge with a hybrid where it's a multiple days, some days in, some days out, is you're still eliminating the possibility of having people working for you that are not within striking distance of an office. Right. Um, so while I think we've all learned we can be pretty productive at home, um, which is why the hybrid thing is attractive, I think... Personally, I think one of the big benefits is you can have a team that's all over the world if you want. Um, and, and the access to, to folks and the ability to have a really diverse team. I think there's like a lot of um, important things around equity and inclusion that come along with um, having your, your team be fully remote. Yeah. That said, I think we're going to see companies doing all of the above. Yeah. Um, so when we're thinking about building our products, it's... How do we help people that are in person? How do we help people that are remote? And how do we tell, help people that are hybrid? Um, on some of them, I think hybrid might be the biggest challenge because you get some folks that might be spending more time in office and basically have a leg up from relationship building because yeah. you have all of the old kind of organic ways of connecting. And I think when we think about building tools, it's, it's, it's around... Um, how do we do it for remote teams? And then how do we make that accessible and work for hybrid teams as well? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing where I mentioned we're fully remote, we're actually doing um, what we're calling a, a co-working week or a donut. It's a, a doco um, where <laughs> we, we invited um, whoever wanted to join, but totally optional. we like rented out an office space and some outdoor space. And um, it's in New York where we have some team members and it's a few days where people can work together, but not everybody's here. So we have a rule that if anybody's zooming into a meeting, everybody zooms into the meeting. 
because like as soon as two people are sharing a camera and sharing a mic, there's little like side conversations and the remote person can't. So like we we have a policy that it's like if it's if it's a virtual meeting, like one camera and mic per person um, so that we're all talking into our cameras and mics. So I think some of those things really matter. But but then from a socialization standpoint, um, I think. I think building opportunities for everybody, no matter where they are, to, to connect. Um, give you one example of what I think, you know, remote work made things more more accessible. There's a way in Donut to run a kind of lottery um, that a lot of executives took advantage of, where it's like one person a week randomly gets selected to meet with a CEO or an executive. Um, uh, Todd McKinnon, the CEO of Okta, set this up during the pandemic using Donut, where one, as they call it, octonauts, um, one octonaut got to meet with Todd every week. And obviously that person could be anywhere in the world. And previously, it's like, okay, if you happened to work in the same city and office as Todd, maybe you'd like have the, the random chance of a run-in with him. Um, but once it becomes systemized and, and automated in a way that's accessible to everyone, now you don't have, have to happen to live in the same city as Todd right. to the maybe level playing field. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, I want to get to an audience question, Dan. We have one from Allison, and she asks, what are some of the KPIs that people leaders can use to measure the success of the employee experience? So are there, are there measures that Donut helps to support or measures that you recommend to your customers that they should be mindful of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's certainly a, a number of um, kind of in, engagement survey questions from folks like CultureAmp and Lattice. Um, and, and those folks are the, the true experts on like measuring and, and instrumenting things. Um, but I, I think things like happiness and employee engagement really, really matter. Um, at Donut, we have a whole bunch of reporting and metrics around who's actually participating and connecting with folks. And when we make an intro between two people, we um, have reporting on how many of those meetings are actually happening. Um, and we we definitely see correlations between you know companies that are that are really engaged and high performance, and also doing a lot of Donut meetings. Um, right. We've had some customers who have taken their donut reporting and then kind of cross match that with things like performance reviews or engagement surveys from a culture amp or lattice and found some some pretty strong correlations between you know is this a culture where people are actually meeting and at a really high rate and you know high performing and so do you have some of those metrics aggregated across your customer base are you I, I'm anticipating your next like state of the union report on on you know employee connectivity and performance. Yeah, yeah, we we do have some of that data. the the um, The most recent thing we've done with that is we we do something um, or we have the last few years something once a year called Donut Digested, which is sort of our version of Spotify Wrapped at the end of the year, where we kind of give you like a nice, fun visual presentation of like in your organization how many folks actually met. And we do do some of that benchmarking. So like for your size company, right. you, you beat the average in terms of like number of meetings that happened. And here's the person that did 20 donut meetings in a row without missing one and all, all that kind of fun stuff. Very cool. 
We like to wrap up these conversations. I know we're nearing the end of our time and we'd like to do a bit of a lightning round of questions so that our listeners can get to know you uh, a bit more personally. So I'm going to put you on the spot and just fire over some questions. Great. Okay. So first of all, I love that your company is called Donut. You know, in Canada, we're donut obsessed. Um, (laughs) What is your favorite donut? Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of donuts. Um, I think Boston cream is one of my favorites, but like a good old fashioned glaze is also really good. So I like yeah. a lot. Of them. I'm a honey dipped girl personally, but um, okay. What what is uh, your favorite hobby? What do you spend a lot of time on? Um, I uh, I play bass, so I I'm also a, a musician, and in uh, you know being in a band has been a little tougher the past few years. You know, like con- concerts kind of stopped happening a little bit, but I do spend a lot of time playing music. Nice. Um, And here's a bit of an off the wall question. Would you rather be a bird or a fish and why? Yeah. Um, That's a good question. So I love swimming in the ocean. That's another uh, thing that I spend a fair amount of time doing. I think if it were for like one day, I would pick bird because I've never flown and I have swam. But if it was permanent, I'm, I think I'd pick fish because I like being Good answer. Cool. Good answer. I often have dreams that I'm flying. And interestingly, when I dream that, I'm swimming through the air. It feels like a swimming motion. I'm not sure what that says about me. Um, okay. And my last lightning round question, we started out with uh, a lousy brand interaction that you'd had um, in the past. You had a great example. Share with us and feel free to call out the brand. What's a really great interaction that you've had with the brand, with the brand? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll think if I have a specific brand, but I think for me, the, like the, like similarly, I've had this experience at multiple brands. It's when something like goes wrong and customer support or service, like goes above and beyond to fix that right? Like if a product breaks or like you order something online and you get the wrong thing. And like, I think the like really highly responsive and like making it right above and beyond moments to me are extremely powerful. And actually like when something doesn't go quite according to plan, I actually think those are really great opportunities to strengthen your brand. Um, It's kind of like, how do you behave when something goes wrong um you know it's like if if you're flying and your flight gets canceled right like that's an opportunity to, for an airline to like really shine or like really blow it and like give you totally. well now you're now you're speaking my language that's our world at ada we talk about you know democratizing that vip experience how do you make sure that in those critical moments you make all of your customers feel heard and special so um love that example Okay, I'm going to end by highlighting some of the takeaways from this really, really fascinating discussion. Um, So hopefully some of our listeners can turn this into action. Um, So first we talked about how automation is really intended to remove those friction points in the employee experiences, especially at scale. Um, And that, you know, 
robust integrations can help with that along the way. But having that automation at the front end of that experience really opens up a world of opportunity for employees to connect more meaningfully. Um, we talked about the importance of social interaction in the employee experience, how to create meaningful bonds, um, hopefully with the automation kind of in the background fueling that and being a little bit agnostic about creating those experiences, whether you're in person or at home. Um, and then we talked about how employee experiences should be designed in a way that takes into consideration what it is that they want, um, the, the processes that are already in place, and how you scale that uh, into you know, workflows and systems that are already being used by the people in the seat. Um, so we covered a lot of ground, some great takeaways, really, really interesting product. Everyone should go ch check out Donut. It's been a game changer for us at Ada. Um, tell the audience, Dan, how people can get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, so donut.com, if you're interested in, in checking out what we do. Um, if you have questions, we have a little chat on the website and all that kind of stuff. And you can always email um, support at, at donut.com. Uh, and uh, if you're watching this and you have a question, feel free to mention that you, you saw this, uh, listen to this podcast and, uh, and uh, I'll get your message. Awesome. Um, and if any of our listeners would like to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. If you have any burning brand interaction questions or you'd like to share feedback on this podcast, please send us an email to podcast at ada.support. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners. Um, and if you'd like to hear more conversations about closing the brand interaction gap, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. So thank you again, Dan, for joining us today. It's really been a pleasure having you. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Ruth. You've been listening to Now Brands Talk, a podcast by Ada. Stay connected by subscribing to the show, leaving us a rating and comment, and emailing us your feedback and questions at podcast at ada.support. Your support and feedback ensure future episodes will address your interests with fresh discussion and insight about how brands talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time.